0: The Guardian.
1: Order. Questions to the Prime Minister, Harriet Baldwin.
0: Number one, Mr Speaker.
1: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I'm sure the whole House will wish to join me in paying tribute to Corporal David Barnesdale from 33 Engineer Regiment, Explosive Ordnance Disposal, who died on the nineteenth of October. He was a brave and highly skilled member of our armed forces, whose service and sacrifice must not be forgotten. Our thoughts must be with his family, his friends, and his colleagues. Mr. Speaker, this morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in the House, I shall have further such meetings later today. Harriet Baldwin. Uh,
0: May I associate myself with the condolences expressed by my Right Honourable friend? Mr. Speaker, does the Prime Minister agree that yesterday's excellent growth numbers show that the private sector is growing? my constituents need
1: the honorable lady is entirely right the growth figures yesterday were twice as good as market expectation and of course of course members opposite don't like good news but they should celebrate it when it comes this was strong growth it was largely driven by the private sector and it was accompanied by the Standards and Poor's Agency actually saying we should no longer uh, be on the danger zone for our credit rating. So, welcome news. Honourable members opposite who are waiting for a double dip have had a bit of double depression. But I'm sure, um, I'm sure we get lots of
0: questions about the economy this morning. Ed Miliband. Mr Speaker, can I start by joining the Prime Minister in paying tribute to Corporal David Barnesdale from 3-3 Engineer Regiment Explosive Ordnance Disposal. He died serving his country. We honour his memory and we send the deepest of condolences to his family. Mr Speaker, there are reports this morning that the Government is reconsidering aspects of their housing benefit reforms. Are they?
1: No, we are bringing forward our plans for housing benefit reform, and let me tell him why we are doing that. Housing benefit for working-age people over the last five years has gone up by 50 per cent. This is a budget completely out of control. Now the proposals we're bringing forward, they are difficult, but they need to be done, not least because we want to make sure we protect the, edu- the school's budget. We want to make sure we protect the NHS budget. That's why we're taking difficult decisions about welfare, and I hope he'll be able to tell us this morning whether he's going to support them.
0: Yeah. Well, Mr. Speaker, I thank the Prime Minister for that answer. Let me just get complete clarity from him. The Work and Pension Secretary is reported as saying that the government is open to suggestions on the issue of housing benefit. Is the Prime Minister saying that all of the aspects of housing benefit reform are fixed and are not going to change?
1: We, we are going forward with all the proposals we put in the spending review and in the budget. We, I, I would, what I would, what I would, I'm sure we'd all love is what about some suggestions from the
0: Right Honourable Gentleman? Yeah. Mr. Speaker, Mr Speaker, it's Prime Minister's questions, the clues in the title. He's supposed to answer the questions. Now, 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 now I do have a specific question for him on one, aspect, on one aspect of the housing benefit changes. The plan is to cut by 10% the housing benefit, the help with rent, that someone receives after they've been out of work for a year, even, even as they've been searching for work. Does the Prime Minister think that is fair? These are
1: difficult changes, but I think this is yeah, I think this is right. Everyone on Jobseeker's Allowance is expected to work, and everyone knows there is a problem when people claim Jobseeker's Allowance and maximum housing benefit for long periods of time. That creates a serious disincentive to work. Now, that is why we are making this change. That is why it is right. And the, but the key change we are also looking at is this cap on £20,000 of a maximum housing benefit claim. Is he really saying that his cons- I have answered the question. Yes. <laughs> I know you don't like the answer. We're sticking to our plans, but we're sticking to our plans. Yeah. But the point everyone in this house has got to consider: are we happy to go on paying housing benefit of 30,000 pounds, 40,000 pounds, 50,000 pounds? Are constituents working hard to give benefits so people can live in homes they couldn't even dream of? I don't think that's fair.:
0: Well, the whole house will have heard the Prime minister has dug himself in on this proposal to cut, to cut by 10 percent. The help that people receive with rent after they have been out of work for a year. Can I now ask the Prime Minister, because he will have obviously thought about this, what advice would he give to that family that that is seeing 10% of their income for housing benefit taken away? What advice would he give them when they are seeing such a large drop in their income about how they should make ends meet? We will be having in the work programme the best and biggest
1: programme to help those people back into work it won't just be the state doing it we're going to get training companies we're going to get voluntary bodies to help those people into work let me just give because i know the right on gentleman likes figures let me give him the figures for london let me give you the figures for london there are 37390 people who've been on job seekers allowance for more than a year those people would be affected by this change i accept that it is difficult there are every month 30,000 new vacancies in London, that is 400,000 vacancies a year. We want to get those people back into work.
0: What does he want to do? Yeah. Ed Miliband. He's about to make 500,000 people redundant as a result of the cuts that announced by the Chancellor of the Exchequer. It is clear Mr. Speaker, that his policy on housing benefit is a complete shambles. In, in London alone—he talks about London—in London alone, councils are saying 82,000 people will lose their homes. They are already booking the bed-and-breakfast accommodation. How many people—let me ask the Prime Minister—how many people does he think will lose their homes as a result of this policy?
1: Yeah. If you are
0: prepared to give—
1: I If you are, as we are, prepared to pay £20,000 in housing benefit, there is no reason why anyone should be left without a home. The the Leader of the Opposition talked about economic policy and cuts. We now know know from the Labour Party's own memorandum what their cuts would be. This is what they said. This This is not the IFS. This is not the government, this is not the Conservative Party, this is a Labour memorandum. The cuts. Order, I apologise for interrupting the Prime Minister. Members must remain calm. If not serene, at any rate calm at all times. We must hear the Prime Minister. People responsible for making the mess should be quiet when they're told how it's going to be cleared up. The cuts. The cuts implied by our spending plans would have been £44 billion in 2014-15. Those are their cuts. That is what we are having to implement. I was always told, if you've got nothing to say, it'd be better not to say it.
0: (laughs) In Mr Speaker, we can see the faces on the Liberal Democrat benches. The honourable Honourable member for Southwark and Bermondsey describes this policy as harsh and draconian. No wonder he looks glum. And then we have Glummer, the deputy prime minister. I tell you, I tell you, I tell you, it's no wonder he's back on the fags, Mr. Speaker. Isn't, isn't the truth? Isn't the truth? The prime minister just doesn't get it. He's out of touch. Other people will pay the price for his cuts. Isn't it time he thought again on housing benefit? We all, we all had the chance to read
1: about it in the Times this morning. The advice to the leader of the opposition: It's important to have a cheer line that goes down well in the chamber. You have got to have something that will be clipped easily by the broadcasters. It is it's important. Oh, so it's, it's important to get to your feet, looking as if you are seizing on something new. <laughs> Mr Speaker, he has got a plan for Prime Minister's questions, but he has got no plan for the economy, no plan for the debt, no plan for the mess they made. Absolutely nothing of any worthwhile to say. That is
0: it. Mr. Christopher Pincher. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Would the Prime Minister join me in congratulating Ocado for creating 2,000 much needed new jobs on the edge of Tamworth? And while he's at it, would he congratulate the Chief Executive, Tim Steiner, for making it clear he supports the difficult decisions the Government is making to fix our finances, promote growth, decisions the party opposite flunked? The Honourable Member makes a very good point. Business
1: leaders in Britain, who are going to create these jobs, who employ thousands of people in our country, support what the government is doing. They want us to follow it through. And I'm happy to congratulate the person running Ricardo, not least because I'm one of their customers. <laughs> Mr David Blunkett. Yeah. Yeah. Mr Speaker, the um, Prime Minister puts great store by devolving decision making to ordinary people which already exists of course with the
0: welsh assembly population 3 million a devolved budget of 14.5 billion and the scottish parliament even after the cuts uh, population 5
1: million budget through the block grant 27.3 billion using the formula applied to wales the 5.2 million people of yorkshire would have an entitlement to a devolved budget of 24 billion pounds 24 can you think of one single reason why the people of Yorkshire shouldn't determine their own priorities and mischievously one reason one reason why the people of Yorkshire shouldn't have their own white rose parliament? I, um I didn't know that the right honourable gentleman, who I have considerable respect for, I didn't know he was making these arguments all through the last 13 years, but um, <laughs> this is a revelation. What we are doing is we're saying to councils in Yorkshire, as up and down the country, we're getting rid of the ring fences. We're giving you the power to spend your money in the way that you choose. We've got rid of the bossy, centralising, interfering approach that I'm afraid he was rather part of.
0: The Tessa <laughs> Munt. Thank
1: you, Mr. Speaker. Um, Is the Prime Minister aware that more than 420 people died in Somerset last winter from causes related to cold and poor living conditions? And would he join me in supporting a local charity, the Somerset Community Foundation, which has a surviving winter appeal, whereby all those who can forego all or part of their winter fuel payment can donate the money for redistribution to those for whom it is not nearly enough? I would certainly join the Honourable Lady in congratulating the charity and the work that they do. It sounds absolutely essential, and I know that she will welcome, as I did, the decision by the Chancellor in the spending statement to actually say that the cold weather payments would be put on this higher level permanently, not just before an election.
0: Mr Eric Ilsley. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Uh, Yorkshire Forward, the uh, Yorkshire Regional Development Agency, owns assets in my constituency in Barnsley which are crucial for a major redevelopment programme within the town centre. Will the Prime Minister now look urgently at ensuring that those assets are transferred from the ownership of Yorkshire Forward to the local authority in order that that programme can go ahead Uh, and could that transfer be facilitated before the abolition in 2012?
1: The honourable Honourable member makes a very good point and the transition from the regional development agencies to the new local enterprise partnerships has to be handled carefully and to make sure that those assets, as he says, are put to good use. So far, actually, I have to say, the proposals for local enterprise partnerships that are coming in are extremely encouraging and I think will lead to more of what the honourable member for Sheffield Brightside said, which is more local control rather than distant regions that people do not identify with.
0: Andrew Turner. Mr. Speaker, it's claimed that the EU will need a new treaty to legitimise money going to Greece. What is is the Prime Minister's response?
1: Well, this is an argument that is being put forward, particularly by the Germans, that there is a new treaty clause needed to put the Eurozone on a stronger footing. Clearly, from our point of view, we are not in the Euro, we're not planning to join the Euro. Um, and, so, um, and so any treaty change wouldn't apply to us, just as the new rules in terms of the stability and funding mechanism, we've always had a carve out from them but we will be discussing this at the European Council uh, this week. I think the greatest priority for Britain should be to fight very hard to get the EU budget under control. I think it is completely unacceptable at a time when we are making tough budget decisions here that we are seeing spending rise consistently uh, in the European Union. I think that's wrong, and I'm going to be doing everything I can to try and sort out the budget for next year and then also look at the future financing of the European Union where we want to see strict controls. That, I think, should be our priority. Kate Hoey. The Prime Minister must realise that the British public are facing cuts in services and their livelihoods. They do not want to see a single penny more given to the EU. In fact, they would like to see some of the money brought back that was given away, unfortunately, by our Prime Minister. Will the Prime Minister please ensure that when he goes into battle for our money, that he doesn't do, as happens to many leaders when they get involved in that bloated bureaucracy, they roll over. Will he promise that actually, if they demand this money, we will ultimately just say, sorry, we're not paying. As ever, the Honourable Lady talks a good deal of sense. Um, and it is worth actually recalling that since Margaret Thatcher won that rebate at Fontainebleau, it has saved Britain £88 billion. That is uh, what tough negotiation achieved. The first thing I think we have to do is, of course, the European Parliament has insisted on a higher budget than the one set by the Council. And the first thing is to say that is not acceptable and to build a majority on the Council to get that budget back down again. Now, and I have to say, and I, it pains me to say it to the Honourable Lady, we would be assisted if Labour MEPs don't keep voting for higher budgets, because that's exactly what they did this week. Andrew Bingham. Last year
0: the Prime Minister saw how High Peak Borough Council has, through a pioneering alliance with Staffordshire Moorlands delivered efficiency savings of almost £2.4 million in the past two years. Will you assure the House that you will strive to support councils like High Peak who have sought to deliver better value for money and ensure local people benefit as a result? Yeah. I think the
1: Honourable General makes an extremely good point that my council does exactly the same thing. It shares a chief executive and soon more of the management team with a neighbouring council. All councils can look at this, and frankly, not just councils. Police forces, other organisations can look at shared services to drive down costs so we make sure we focus on the front line. Those are some of the reforms we need to make sure, at a time of tight budgets, we do actually keep the good services that we want. Mr. Angus Robertson. Very much, Mr. Speaker. In a few weeks' time, the Prime Minister will decide whether he will close RAF Lossiemouth, in addition to closing RAF Kinloss, which would lead to the biggest loss of jobs in Scotland since the Tories closed manufacturing industry in the 1980s. As a consequence, consequence, this would mean that Scotland would have fewer service personnel, fewer military bases, aircraft vessels, army battalions and less defence spending than all of our independent Scandinavian neighbours of comparable size. Will the Prime Minister explain why he is concentrating defence spending in the South? And cutting defence spending disproportionately in
0: Scotland. Yeah,
1: yeah. We are going ahead with the building of the aircraft carriers which are being built in Scotland. I have to say to the Honourable Gentleman, if we had an independent Scotland, you wouldn't be flying planes, you'd be flying by the seat of your pants.
0: Dr. Julian Huppert. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Can the Prime Minister reassure the House that the Government has no plans to revive Labour's Intersect Modernisation Programme, whether in name or in function? And that he remains fully committed to the pledge in the coalition agreement to reverse the substantial erosion of civil liberties and roll
1: back state intrusion. Yeah. Well, I would argue we have made good progress on rolling back state intrusion in terms of getting rid of the ID cards yeah. and making sure, in terms of the rights people have to go into your home, we have rolled those back too. We are not considering a central government database to store all communications information, and we will be working with the Information Commissioner's Office on anything that we do in this area.
0: Paul Goggins. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Uh, ending uh, child trust funds uh, will close off uh, a route for children in care and um, to uh, develop, build up a modest nest egg with which they could start their uh, future life as adults. Will the Prime Minister ask his Treasury colleagues to work with me and others? To devise an affordable alternative that would give looked after children uh, the prospects of uh, an asset that they could rely on
1: yeah. i 'm very happy to ask my colleagues to work with him because we all want to see an encouragement of saving but i 'm afraid when it came to the child trust fund, we just had to take a difficult decision, which was this was half a billion pounds we needed to save. It is not. I, actually, the, my Honourable Friend, the Chancellor, and I sat on the committee of the bill that introduced the Child tra- tra- Trust Funds. But the fact is, you have to take some difficult decisions on spending. This was one of them. Can we look at alternative ways of encouraging saving? Yes, we can. Happy to work with the Honourable Gentleman. David Rutsley.
0: Thank you, Mr Speaker. I know the Prime Minister will be aware that last week's decision to cancel the Nimrod programme will lead to the early closure of the BA Woodford site near Macclesfield. Does my Right Honourable Friend agree? That it is now an important priority for the Ministry of Defence to work closely with BAE to ensure that the dedicated and highly skilled staff get the best possible support for both retraining and redeployment.
1: No, my Honourable friend is entirely right the mod should work very closely with bae and with his constituents who worked extremely hard over many years um, to produce this equipment to make sure there is a strong future we've had to make difficult decisions in the defence review and we've made the difficult decision about nimrod but in terms of bae as a whole we will actually be spending 17 billion pounds with that company between now and 2015 on a range of projects including obviously the a400m a- and others but he's right we should make sure we help them People to find new jobs. Luciana Persia. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Video games development is a highly skilled, low carbon uh, creative industry which provides over 600 jobs in my constituency and is important for the northwest as a whole. Before the election, all three main parties pledged to introduce a video games tax relief so we can compete internationally on a level playing field. Why has the government reneged on that promise? Well, we had to make difficult decisions about tax relief. But the honourable members opposite what groan. But what? what you know, can we think of one thing they're actually going to support in terms of getting the no, deficit no, down? No, Do no, to, no, I no, can't no. think of a single thing. No, so we have got to take difficult decisions, and I'm afraid that tax uh, relief, which was not particularly successful thing, or well targeted, has to go. Those are the difficult decisions we have
0: to take. Raymond Chishti. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Can the Prime Minister confirm that the government? Has no plans at all to build an airport in the Thames Estuary and nor
1: in Medway or Kent. Uh, the Department of Transport has no plans for a new airport in the Thames Estuary nor in any other part of Medway or Kent. And uh, as he knows, we've scrapped the plan to build a third runway at Heathrow. Siobhan McDonagh. Hi,
0: Mr. Speaker. As a former PR man, would the Prime Minister agree with me that no matter how much Bell Pottinger tried to spin the Sri Lankan government, that the demands for an international
1: independent war, crime tri- war crimes tribunal intensify as more evidence of alleged assassination yeah, yeah. and civil rights abuses come out? Yeah, yeah. I think the Honourable Lady makes a fair point. We do need to see independent investigation of what happened. Uh, Everyone has read the papers and seen the TV footage, but we need an independent investigation to work out whether what she suggests is right. Mark Pawsey. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The development of land without planning permission for use as gypsy and traveller sites is of concern to many communities, including the villages of Barnacle and Bulkington in my constituency, where, where local residents have had to put up with the illegal developments on their doorstep, but they are pleased with the proposals of the coalition government to give additional powers to local authorities to deal with this matter. Will the Prime Minister acknowledge the wish of my constituents to see those powers made available at the earliest opportunity? yeah, yeah. Well, As my as hon. Friend probably knows, we will be bringing forward the Localism Bill. Uh, I think it is important, as I have said here before, that everyone obeys the law of the land, including about planning, and that should apply to gypsies and travellers as well. What we will be doing in this Localism Bill is making sure that it is worthwhile for local authorities to go ahead with development. That they should see a benefit when houses are built, whereas at the moment there is so little benefit for local areas of getting businesses in and getting homes built. And there should be a benefit where they make available sites for gypsies or, uh, and travellers. But it shouldn't be done on the basis of law breaking, which all too often it, ha- it is at the moment. Emma Reynolds. Education Secretary promised that Wolverhampton's Building Schools for the Future programme would be unaffected by cuts. Mm. Can the Prime Minister confirm that the much-needed refurbishment of secondary schools across the city will go ahead as planned and not suffer devastating cuts of 40 per cent? Well, I'm afraid what happened was that the last government set out 50% cuts. This is what happened. I know it's uh, they don't like hearing it. They set out 50% cuts in capital spending, but didn't tell us where one penny piece was going to come from. That is what happened. We have had to scrap the unaffordable and badly put forward building schools for the future programme. But let me tell her and other honourable members this: in the spending plans for the next four years, are 15 billion pounds of additional capital for school building. So there are plenty of. Opportunities for additional school building, and not just secondary schools, but primary schools as well. That's what we'll be making available. Neil
0: Carmichael, thank you. Uh, in my constituency of Stroud, the Stroud College and FE College has launched an engineering centre to encourage uh, training and apprenticeships. Does the Prime Minister agree? Does the Prime Minister agree with me in, in the light of the uh, encouraging economic figures that such things should be enc- uh, supported by business?
1: You know, my friend is absolutely honourable. Friend is absolutely right. That we are actually making sure that money is going into FE colleges. This is essential for the skills agenda of the future. And we want to free up those colleges to have more agreements with business. In the past, they were over-regulated about the courses they could run and the qualifications they could offer. We want to see much greater collaboration between FE colleges and business, so we get the skills that we actually need.
0: Tom Harris, Mr. Speaker. Until 18 months before the general election, the Prime Minister supported Labour's spending plans. At what point did he decide to
1: rewrite history? We realised that the spending plans were unaffordable and we came off them. Yeah. And we went into the last election promising to make spending reductions. It needed to be done. and I remember sitting where the right hon. Gentleman was week after week. Asking the former prime minister, "Aren't you really saying there are going to be cuts?" And he said, "No, no cuts. There won't be any cuts." You remember, week after week. Now we've got the evidence from Labour's own memo: 44 billion pounds of cuts you were planning, and not a word about it to anyone. That is thoroughly dishonest.
0: Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Yesterday, the international credit rating agency Standard and Poor's said something that would make members opposite quite upset. It upgraded our nation's credit outlook from negative to stable. But will the Prime Minister also heed its warning that this credit rating upgrade is at risk if, in its own words, against our expectations, the Coalition's commitment to fiscal consolidation faltered? Yeah. This is an absolutely vital point
1: that it was this government's changes that took the British economy out of the danger zone and since the election we've actually seen interest rates coming down in Britain whereas in some other countries they've been going up. Why? Because they haven't taken the necessary action to get their budget and their deficit under control. And what you're now seeing is businesses across the world recognising this is a great country to invest in because we're sorting out the mess that we inherited. Robert Flello
0: Thank you Mr Speaker, the Prime Minister will be aware that by the 7th of July, the Education Secretary had uh, already understood the financial situation and the, uh, the, the state of the books, as the Prime Minister is so uh, keen to keep stating. So why, on the 7th of July, in column 490 of Hansard, in this House, did the Education Secretary say one announcement I was able to make on Monday was that Stoke-on-Trent, is a local authority, that has reached financial close? we will see all the schools under Building Schools for the Future rebuilt. Is there some confusion between the Prime Minister and the uh, Education Secretary?
1: As I say, we were left a complete mess in terms of Building Schools for the Future. Here was, here was a program that took three years and hundreds of millions of pounds before a single brick was laid. The cost of building these schools was twice of what it should have been. So, what we've done is scrapped that program and made available 15 billion pounds for the next four years. That means that school building school building will actually be higher under this Government than it was under the Labour Government starting in 1997? Yes, it will be. Go and check the figures, do your maths, you will find out that is the case. Alan Cairns. Mr Speaker, figures published published this week show that four-fifths of economic growth (laughs) is coming from the private sector. Does the Prime Minister accept that it is wrong to say that it is public spending that is propping up e- economic development, but does he further recognise that more work needs to be done in supporting the private sector yeah. across all parts of the United Kingdom? Yeah, yeah. This is the news that the party opposite do not want to hear. Four-fifths of that growth was coming from the private sector, and that is an encouraging sign that we should be celebrating rather than looking miserable about. Yeah. Sharon
0: Hodgson. The Prime Minister talks of difficult decisions, and last week the Chancellor said government is about choices, and we on this side would agree with that, Mr. Speaker. But we would have made different choices. For instance, yesterday, we would, for instance, we would have chosen to tax the bankers more heavily in order to have avoided the shameful attack yesterday on women and children in the form of the abolition of the Child Trust Fund and the Health and Pregnancy Grant. Does he? Even Agree, Mr. Speaker, with his choices. Does he agree with his chancellor's choices to continually penalise women and children in this room? And, and please, Mr. Speaker, will you please, Mr. Speaker, will you ask him not to continually blame us on this side? He the
1: grateful that, the prime minister to reply. I am afraid to say to the hon. Lady the choice you have made is not to make any choices. Absolutely none at all. Now she mentions, she mentions the importance of taxing the banks. The point I would make is that we introduced a bank levy within six months of taking office that has been sorted out. They had 13 years. The, 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 the Leader of the Opposition sat either in the Treasury as one of the chief economic advisers or sat in the Government, and they did absolutely nothing to introduce that bank levy. Well, well, why? You know, was he arguing for it across the cabinet table? We have no idea. It didn't happen. We've done it. We're asking the banks to pay a fair, a fair amount. And what we should be focusing on is getting the revenue out of banks so they contribute to rebuilding our country after, frankly, the mess it was left in. Bob yeah. Russell.
0: Yeah. Uh. Order. I want to hear Mr. Russell too. Earlier the Prime Minister and the Leader of the Opposition had fun and games over housing benefit cuts. This is not a laughing matter for the the thousands of children who could well become homeless. I am confident this was an unintended consequence because the cost of putting children in bed and breakfast accommodation is greater than housing benefit. Will the Prime Minister look again,
1: please? Well, 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 I completely agree with the Honourable Gentleman. This is an incredibly serious issue. We have a housing benefit bill that is out of control, 50 per cent up over the last five years for working-age adults, and what we are suggesting, the key change, is a cap of £20,000 – let me repeat that – £20,000 that a family can get for its rent. The fact is there will be many people working in Colchester or working in Doncaster or working in West Oxfordshire who are paying their taxes, who could not dream of living in a house that costs £20,000 to rent each year. This is an issue of fairness that we tackle this budget, we get it under control, and we do not ask hard-working people to support benefit levels to get things they simply could not have themselves. For more great downloads, go to guardian.co.uk forward slash audio.